Ronananian. It started out with this loud whining noise going down the road. Had a really deep, like, oh boy, something sounds like it's going to fall out. I'm your vehicle, baby. The car doctor, this electromagnetic viscous coupling, say that three times fast, you'll end up on Jeopardy. It was it just the part, which can't be any bigger. I mean, it's the size of the ABS hydraulic control unit from the 08 Expedition. It was $1,600. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, start your engines, 855-560-9900. Ronnie and the car doctor here at uh, once again, a cardoctorshow.com is the website. That's where you can get more information about this radio show. We are live on the air Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. This is our 3 o'clock hour for those of you who just might be tuning in. Um, you can also stream the show at cardoctorshow.com. But more importantly, if you're on an affiliate that takes it on delayed broadcast, uh, you can call 855-560-9900 uh, anytime, really, anytime, and leave a message. And Tom Ray, our executive producer, will uh, will call you back and get you in the queue for the next live show. You can talk to us even though we're on delay in your area because this is when we're live. So you just call 855-560 either during Saturday afternoon, 2 to 4 Eastern time during the live show, or you can call and leave a message, and we will uh, hook you up and uh, talk to you about the uh, whatever your car problem is that's going on. Um, coming up March 17th, just to mention it, we're going to be live, for those of you in the New York area at the Westchester Marriott in Tarrytown, New York. We're going to be doing a uh, remote broadcast from the Technician Service Training, the big event put on there by uh, Jerry Trulia, G. Trulia and the crew. So they do a great job every year. This is their 15th annual TST big event. So we're going to be broadcasting out of the coat check room. I think that's where we were last year, but it actually worked out well. I was never, uh, I was kind of surprised to see that. We were in a little coat check room off in a corner, and uh, we did the radio show right out of that. Got to talk to some uh, industry luminaries, as it were. I know uh, Tom Ray had a good time. Tom was, um, by the way, did you ever give those people back their coats? You were collecting tips and coats at the same time, I noticed. No, I stopped off and donated them to the Salvation Army. Well, kept what, the money. Kept the money. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's what I would have done. By the way, well, I never got go. my so cut. You taught me well. No, yeah, I, I never got my cut. So, uh, but yeah, we'll be up there the seventeenth uh, of March. We're looking forward to that. Well, I'll tell you about your cut. Yeah. This year, if you want me to open the doors so people can see you, I expect my cut. Uh, well. Um, I'll tell you what, I don't think, you know, I was thinking about that when we finalized this this week. I don't think anybody knew what the heck was going on in the sense that people were looking at us going, we got a radio show in the middle of the TST big event. They just, and because some people came and said, are you really the car doctor? No, I'm his lookalike. They mistakenly uh, mis mistook the rest of it for the big event. We were the big event. See? Well, well I, you know, that goes without saying, especially when Tony walks in, boy, there's a big event. So speaking of which, um, how are you, Tony? I'm doing well, thank you. Y you know, you're the only board operator can i call you a board operator that won't hurt your feelings or anything yes you're the only, you're the only board operator i know of that has a following that when we talked about you being ill last week there was conversation on facebook and other forums about what happens to big tony at the car doctor and this week i mentioned that 
you know, you're back and, and, you know, they just, they love it when you do that Barry White impersonation. Actually, I'm starting to think Barry White was emulating you. Um, you know, maybe Barry kind of passed through the time curtain and uh, I'll it's let possible. it. It's possible. So, because nobody, nobody says scan tool like my Tony. Um, a couple of and things. And the number one romantic word when spoken by Barry White. Here we go. Scan tool. And there it is, ladies and gentlemen, and that's the way it is here on The Car Doctor every Saturday, 2 to 4 Eastern time. Uh, a little a little bit of a rambling moment here. Just a couple of things I want to talk to you about. Uh, first of all, I want, let me get this out of the way. Herb Cooper. Herb Cooper always has some... And Herb Cooper is one of the smartest guys I know. He's just always got something... Uh, to say that really gives you a thought. He wrote me an email. Hey, Ron, thought for the hour. How come they can't develop an ice-resistant road surface material so they don't have to put down salt every winter and fill potholes every spring? Well, I think you're missing the point. If they don't have to fill potholes and they don't have salt to corrode the cars, they don't sell cars and they don't have anything for the waste taxpayers' money on. But um, point taken. I don't know. Now, I will tell you this, that you notice that they've started to, here in North Jersey, they've put down those red strips in the corners when you go around corners. I think that's drainage for when the uh, for when the road is wet to help provide more traction. But it's an interesting thought. Why can't we make better road material to help control the ice and the snow, uh, you know, uh, better, easier, quicker, kinder, and, uh, you know, that, that type of thing. I want to talk a little bit about parts. I want to talk a little bit about dumb designs because, um, you know what, I... I I just got to call him like I see him. We got to work on a 2016 Ford Transit uh, 250 work van this week. Uh, 30,000 mile service and oil change and, uh, you know, things like that. And uh, because it's a commercial vehicle, one of the things that is listed, uh, you know, as a possible service would be to change the trans fluid. So we looked at it for that, and we've decided that the trans is probably going to go to the junkyard with this car with the original fluid in it because there's. I think to change the trans fluid, you have to lift the body off the off the the bracer. You know, I knew I was in trouble when the book time to change trans fluid on a 2016 Ford Transit was 3.4 hours. Um, you know, to change the filter and all. And you look at it; there's a brace underneath the pan, which is basically the front suspension, and you have to get that out of the way to lower the pan. There's just no way to access anything. And as much as I love Fords, and I, I like Ford, I think Ford makes a great product. I'm not sure what the engineers were thinking. I think they missed it on that one. And I don't understand why, in this day and age, we still don't have a nice big rear-wheel drive van that's easy to service and maintain. One of the things I never understood about vans in general over the years is they're large. There's got to be a better way to design and make things serviceable. I never understood. You want to know what my idea is? Look at look at a large truck. Look at the Snap-on tool truck. I, I got this at the Mac tool truck. They show up. They've got a flip nose. You've got those two rubber bands that you, you take them off, and the nose tilts forward so you can get in there and work on the engine. Why can't they make a van like that, that you can flip it forward and work on the engine and, and, and get to everything and just make it so that you're not, you know, listen, it doesn't take a genius to figure out that if you put the body on top of the engine and you can't get access to it, you can't work on it. I mean, hello, duh. Uh, you know, you get to 100,000 miles, you've got to start to do everything. I was in diesel class a week and a half, two weeks ago, and I was talking to a Ford tech, and he's at a, he's at a Ford dealer here in the area, and we were comparing notes and telling war stories, and he was telling me about how backed up they are servicing the Ford diesels, the 
uh, various diesel families that Ford has that are converted into ambulances. You know, they get the commercial chassis and so forth. When when a Ford diesel, when anything breaks, he said, you know, and they've got to lift the body off the frame. It's 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 a three week process to, to, to put injectors in because it's just hours and hours and hours. All the all the electrical connections, all the things that you know, you start to think about. Look at look at all the stuff that are in it, that's inside of an ambulance, you know, for for life saving, and and all those things have to be accounted for and disconnected and, and reconnected. And and what are you going to do when that vehicle body has a hundred thousand miles on it, being in North Jersey, and it's three years old or five years old or seven years old, and the bolts don't want to come out and everything's good and rusty? And you know, how are you going to achieve that? And, you know, he said there's a backlog now of servicing the Ford diesels, the commercial chassis in the dealership because of that. And it's a, it's a problem. And I said, you know, I don't understand why they don't make a tilt nose. It, to me, it would just be it would seem to be that it would be just 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 so easy, you know, just just really so easy. I want to pick on Toyota for a minute. Had a 2011. See, I'm on. I'm non-discriminatory. I had a 2011 Toyota Corolla this week that had a bad ignition switch. The the lock tumbler got jammed. We had to put a lock cylinder in. A, an ignition lock cylinder. It's probably about two and a half inches long. It's maybe an inch in diameter. You know, it's the physical lock cylinder that that goes inside the master switch that's inside the column. So it needed a new it needed a new lock cylinder assembly. And we got one out of Toyota. They were the only ones that made it. None of the local parts houses had it. Nobody in the aftermarket makes it, which might be a good thing. And this little two-by-one-inch piece of steel was $262. And I looked at it, and I, I shook it. No gold dust came out of it. I checked. I wanted to be sure because I thought maybe we were smuggling bullion or something. Um, I thought maybe a little white powder was going to fall out of the inside. Like, you know, what are we doing? Uh, I didn't get it. Um, you know, and it just... It, it slowly puts, you know, I look at that and it's, it just tells me it slowly puts the price of auto repair out of the reach of so many people. And it's sad. You know, by the time you're done, you buy the lock cylinder, you've got to send it off to the locksmith, get it, um, you know, get it, get it recoded so that you have two of the same keys because Toyota can't do that. Um, see, Ford, to their credit, and I give, I give credit where credit is due, you, uh, there was a couple of years of Ford where you can give them the VIN, and GM does this too, and you can key code everything the same when you order it new. So you, you, know, you get the same lock combination that you had when you purchased the vehicle. Toyota, uh-uh. So now you would have two sets of keys. that would One would open the door and one would turn the ignition. And you know what? That would just drive me absolutely crazy, even though that's the way cars were in the 70s on a, on a lot of things. So um, by the time you get done doing... The lock cylinder, getting things coated. Um, you had to dolly and, and you know get the car in the shop because you can't get the car to start with. You know, nine hundred dollars later, you've got a lock cylinder that the car will start and run and turn and, and do what it's supposed to do. So, um, you, you know, you look at the price of cars, and I keep thinking. I had an answer the other day in my head. I said, I wonder if we'll ever achieve the point, and. I'm being serious here, where when the car dies, will you just leave it on the side of the road? You won't own it, right? It'll be it'll be a rental. And, you know, I want to be the guy that drives that, the, the scrap vehicle. I'm thinking they're going to have like a giant vehicle that's going to roll along, suck the car up, shred it, recycle it, and they'll just deliver you another car, plastic molded, injected, you know, printed uh, uh, vehicle that will uh, send you on your way. So just, just some nonsensical ravings from a lunatic mind, I guess. But... Um, 
that was the week in auto repair. That's what got me. Uh, that's what got me through the week. Just a lot of strange things that I saw that made me scratch my head. Just poor design and expensive parts. And you can see that we are headed for. Um, we're headed. We're headed for the abyss in terms of auto repair. And uh, you really got to start thinking about what you're doing and how you're going to do it because ever so much more cars are fast becoming a lifestyle if there aren't already. And um, uh, just, just, just very expensive. Bought a, a rear wiper arm. For and then I'm going to go. I'm going to pull over. Um, bought a rear wiper arm for an 05 Chevy Malibu Max. It's a piece of plastic about uh, 14 inches long with a rubber wiper blade on it from GM. It's the only place you can get it. Nobody makes it. $89. Yeah. I mean, you know, we buy wiper blades. They're 12, 15, 20 bucks. Why a wiper arm? Six bucks. You know, maybe it's 25, 30 dollars for the whole thing. 90 dollars. And you can't, you know, it seems that when you find the part that nobody else can make and it's it's manufacturer only, boy, it sure is expensive. But as soon as somebody in the aftermarket figures out how to make it, it sure gets cheaper, which makes me think, thank God for the aftermarket sometimes. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's coming right back. Stay tuned. Ron's number handy, 855-560-9900, for when you really need advice on your car. Here's Ron. Welcome back. Ron, the car doctor. Uh, let's see. I just want to do this. I've been trying to do this email for a while. I think I think his name, I think it's Tom. That's right. Uh, fix it all. Uh, hi, Ron. It seems AC Delco makes two grades of new parts, GM original equipment and professional grade parts. For example, alternators, the original equipment one is $80 higher than the professional, although both are new. There must be a difference in quality. I assume this might be a point of interest on today's program, Tom. Uh, you know what, Tom? It is, and actually, I, I experienced this this week as I was picking out parts for the Suburban because I'm trying to get, you know, I'm trying to get the best I can. And yeah, evidently, and GM's not alone that does this, but it's it's probably just a good example of how it works. So there's General Motors original equipment made by Delco, and then there's Delco professional grade, which I always think of as their retail over the counter. Not a bad parts line certainly not the best that delco makes and yes they make a delco new and then a gm delco oe oe uh, new starter alternator and i experienced that picking out a starter for the suburban uh, you know and i think it's a matter of pocketbook i think it's what do you you know what can you afford and what are you ready to deal with and you know warranty i think is you know i didn't ask about the warranty but i thought it was pretty darn the same um but i will tell you this is the guy taking the starter in and out uh, doing a starter on an LS Suburban or Silverado, whatever it is you're working on, uh, is no easy task. It, you know, accessing the wiring and the nuts and the bolts. So I'd rather put the best possible part in because I would just, you know, it's for the eighty dollars. And I think in the case of the starter for the Suburban, it was, I think it was one hundred and three dollars more for the starter that was GM OE OE original equipment. And um, yeah, I figured the first one lasted me fifteen years, and the next one lasts me ten. Maybe I'll get rid of it in 25 years. Maybe I won't be driving it. Who knows? Maybe there won't be gasoline for it. But in any event, uh, yeah, there's a there's definitely a difference in quality. And um, you've always got to look at the quality of the part. I always find one of the best things to ask is, if you don't know, ask the guy behind the counter, hey, what's your better line? What, do you, what aren't you having problems with? And uh, certain lines of parts, and I should point that out too, certain lines of parts will work better, you know, have 
clunkers in them, things that just don't work, and uh, you know, have some stuff that works really well. And that's just the way it is. But uh, buying auto parts, I've said it for years, is like picking a salad. You got to be a chef. You got to know what lettuce, tomatoes, and cucumbers work because uh, you put some bad parts in there, you're going to get indigestion. So let's go over and talk to Mike in Donella, New Jersey. He wants to talk about self driving cars. Fast becoming my favorite topic, Michael. Yeah, and, uh, I know that, Ron. Yeah, we, uh, we were talking about that last week. I guess you and Tom went off the air with that. Yeah. Uh, he and I got to talking about it before. But I got, I got two comments real quick, and then I'll talk about that. Uh, my father had a Mercedes one time with a 280S, one of the worst cars ever. Six-cylinder, 110 horsepower. We had to replace the windshield wipers. Guess how much they were back in 1980, uh, uh, 1974. Mm, 200 bucks? No. They were $38 a piece, but you could go out and get a pair of... Amco blades for three three bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's it. And and uh, my mom's Volvo fuel injection uh, messed up because of some water in the gas. It no. cost her one hundred and fifty bucks a pop for a seventy-seven Volvo two forty to have uh, fuel injection put back in there. You, no you know, I I think. My concerns with self-driving cars, Michael. You know, you start talking about the cost. Yeah, of we're going to do that too. Yeah, well, and, and 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 you're right. And you know, your comments on what things cost then versus now, and now, now things are just so out of control. Lock cylinders, three hundred dollars. ABS control units, fifteen hundred dollars. Uh, you know, uh, all-wheel drive coupling, sixteen hundred dollars. You know, we're we're just starting to see some insane numbers. But as I learned this week, right, a replacement suburban, seventy grand. So do you, do, you, do you throw four or five thousand dollars in parts at that at that fifteen year old suburban? That's you know it's only it doesn't even have sixty thousand miles it. on it. Yeah, it's worth it. It's now it's, I, I was concerned about the self driving cars in that. Let's say you put salt on the road, that covers up the lines. The the camera or the apparatus won't read it, so you're in trouble. Well, oh. Oh, big time. And I'll tell you what, I got some comments about that and some other thoughts on self-driving cars. But let me pull over and do this. Ron and Annie, the car doctor, will return right after this. Don't go away. 855-560-9900. The car doctor's 24-7 phone number. Stay tuned. We'll be back right after this. So you don't forget to call for car advice done right. 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron. Yeah, we're talking with Mike from Vanilla, New Jersey. Michael, you're still there? Sure. So, yeah, you bring up some good points. So the self-driving car goes down the road, and it's snowing out, and it can't see the white line in the road because of ice or snow. And uh, you've got to hope that they're going to trigger it off of a GPS or, or, or satellite or something like that. But... You know, I always go back to you ever drive down the road and, you know, you're a passenger in a vehicle and you're talking on your cell phone and all of a sudden service drops out. (laughs) 
Yeah. You know, what's what? The car is going to stop. The car is going to go, wait a minute, hold the boat. You know, I mean, I can I can see like, you know, I, I think about like, you know, the Westerns, right? Where, you know, the, the Seventh Cavalry and we're charging down after the Indians or whatever it is. Wait a minute. Hold it. The horse has got to stop and take water. You well, know, you know what I think is going to happen is that, you know, have you ever tried you ever driven the uh, semi-autonomous car uh, uh, cars yet? No, I've 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 seen them. I have not sat in. Okay, I, I've been in one, and my friend let me uh, touch the wheel while it was driving, and he went outside the lane on purpose, and it jerked the car back into the lane and tugged on the wheel, and I said to myself, "Now, if you ignore it, what happens? It will fight you. The wheel will fight you." And um, if the if the um, autonomous cars lose, um, you know, with the road, they lose contact or whatever they have, what happens? Does it revert back to regular steering? Well, and steering is an issue. Listen, let's not even let's let's not overthink this. Let's go back to basics. Let's say it's a 68-degree day and the sun is shining and the, and the bluebird of happiness is flying around, right. and you're, you're, you're driving down a perfectly flat, straight road at 65 miles an hour, and the right front tire blows out. Right. You have a tire failure. If there's no steering wheel on the car because it's self-driving, right. or let's say there is a steering wheel on the car, but you're not behind the wheel. You're in the back seat. How are you going to get that car off the road? How are you going to react? How are you going to... You know, there's there's there there's a split second of uh oh, be, before be, you know uh, before you do it, you say it and then you do it. Well, um, you know what's going to have to be is in my thought is, you know how they have those sensors in the car if you um, if you get your license back after you've been drinking, you have to blow into this thing. Right, the breathalyzer. All right, all right. So that's going to have to sense whether somebody's sitting there because what happens if they're not sitting there and, and that scenario comes up that you developed? There'd be curtains for everybody. Well, yeah. Um, you know, I think self-driving cars have a place, Michael. You know, I, I think uh, for those for those that can't get around as easily as the rest of us for whatever reason, um, you know, I love to, it, but I'm not going to drive a Ford Escape. Give me a Corvette. Right. Well, stick. You know, they're listen, not going to do it. Uh, you know, the question becomes, you know, would I put my 95 year old mom in a car and say, take her to the doctor? Oh, you know, uh, you know, only if, you know, mom wanted to check out that day. Maybe it's, you know, depends. <laughs> on, so, you know, it's like it depends on her mood, um, you know, and, you know, let's face it, I guess as we all get up there in age, sometimes we're all like, OK, it's time to go. But, uh, you know, it's just it's it's just does it have its place? And and I don't I don't know that we're ready for it. You know, you're driving on the highway again at 65, 70 miles an hour and that vehicle has a problem. You've got to get it off the road. But, Ron, you see these idiots when the snow comes. It looks like they never drove in it before. They're spinning out, doing all kind of crazy stuff. Right. Maybe an autonomous car for somebody like that would be great well, because it would it'd just keep them under control. But to that point, you know, I wonder, and I'm sure, Mike, I'm sure that somebody's going to try and invent it if they haven't already, you know, to make a self-driving car drive through a blizzard. But, oh, yeah. You know, the driving conditions are not always 68 degrees, sunny, warm, blue right. of happiness. You know, it's it's... 
there are some there are some lousy weather conditions, for lack of a better way to say it. Never say lousy; it's a bad word. I was always taught. So there are some lousy weather conditions that just create you know human judgment, and you've got to you, you know, got to know what's going on. You got to know what's going on. And I don't I don't think we're ready for self driving cars on a, on a larger scale. Um, Quickly, how's how's the Monte Carlo coming? It's getting there. I'm down to. I'm doing some. Uh, I'm painting the I'm Rustolium painting the rear axle and the floor pan because that car is going to be more about protection. It's going to be out in all kinds of weather than making it a uh, you know making it more of a uh, you know pretty car. It's going to be a nice everyday driver. So they never made it with a stick, did they? It was uh, just sort yeah, of they added. did. Yeah, actually, they did. They're rare. They didn't make a lot of them, but they did make some early first generation Montes with with four speeds. A seventy uh, about seventy, right? Yeah, they made seventy seventy ones, and they they made some seventy twos. Yeah, and um, then it, the body ch- style changed because my mom had a cutlass like that. Yeah, uh, the body style changed in 73, so they, they, they did make those. Um, listen, I'll leave you with this thought. You know, we, we talk about self-driving cars and what it's going to take to fix them. Yeah. We, we live in a society today that New York lawmakers, I read this this morning. I don't know if it was real or not. I think it was a real news story. I know we all have issues with fake news. Well, I'll look but, it up. But there was a story today about that New York state legislators are trying to enact a bill to cause Tide to change the shape and look of their soap pods because the, oh, yes. te- the teenagers today are eating, eating them. Are, right. They're eating, they're eating laundry detergent. I'll tell you what, I'd give them something to put in their mouth they'd never be able to eat again. Well, you know, when I was 17 years old, all right, I was, I was fixing cars at 17. I was fixing cars at 15. You know, and, and, you know, this generation is, we have to teach this generation not to eat laundry detergent, and then we're going to have to put them in self-driving cars? Uh, you know, where's the problem here? I think we're going to have to create self-driving cars to carry the next generation forward because they're too stupid to do anything else. And Talk I hate about to be harsh. But, your mouth with soap, come on. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, I hate to be harsh like that, but holy cow, if, if, you're, not, if you're not smart enough to know the danger of eating soap, you sure as hell can't fix a car, and you sure as hell shouldn't be driving one. Um, but anyway, you know, far it's be always it. a pleasure talking to you. You yeah. always make my my yeah. day. You know what? I'm trying to be the uh, Bob. Bob Grant is gone. Maybe I'll take his job. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. I'll be back right after this. Straight ahead, everybody. Wow, I where did that one come from? He he kind of snuck that in there. I like that. Did you? Th- that was really nice. You know, I'm really surprised he hasn't played a lot of Barry White today. No, no, but you know, the moments Love on a Two Way Street was nice. No. I don't need to play Barry White. I'm sitting here with him. Well, that's true. I've come <laughs> I've, I've come to that conclusion. But you know, to go back before we go to the next call, to go back to the the last comments about eating soap. All right, and I realize this is off the realm of auto repair, but. But in a way, it's not, because it's a mark on society. You can't find technicians today. You can't train technicians fast enough, all right? If we have to worry about kids eating soap to the point that we have to put a law in place to keep them from doing it. You know, in 1944, a day at the beach for a 17-year-old was at a place called Normandy, all right? In, in, in 1974, a, a day at the beach for my generation was Seaside Heights, New Jersey. All right. Uh, you know, this year, this generation, I don't know if they could find the beach. 
you know, much less get there because none of them want to drive and they just want to go down there in a self-driving car. They want somebody to do it for them. And I'm not, you know, I probably shouldn't condemn an entire generation, but we're at the point where we've got to worry about this, the kids today eating soap and we're going to pass a law for it. <sighs> Something's wrong. We need. We don't need self-driving cars. We need self-fixing cars because nobody's going to be able to do it. Well, like when we were talking off the air, like I told you, there are 49 other states not passing this law. Tide will just pull out of New York. You know, it's like, it's real simple. That means more people will be driving. We'll have more cars to talk about. There'll be more broken cars. That might be the way to go. Um, where are we going here? Let's go over to Norwood, New York. Is that Colm? C-O-L-M? It is, sir, and yeah. I appreciate your time. Uh, how can I help Ron, you? Yes, sir. I'd like to make um, an unusual request. Mm -hmm. My medical condition prohibits me from writing because my right hand, my only one really, suffers intermittent, unpredictable shaking, and my script is unintelligible every so often. But the letter that I would like to share with other people whoever's listening about unintended acceleration and autonomy it is now seven years old this month and it was written to one of the two publications automotive that i buy still have been with them for 20 years and more and this one is a niche limited interest for one vehicle only published privately in atlanta called the tdr and its main purpose is information on Dodge Cummins Rams, all of them. I'm on my old one now, which does not die. But the issue at the end of 10 and through 2012 was brought to the public's attention strongly by the crash of a Lexus, I think in California, containing a retired trooper and his entire family out of control, unable to interrupt the plunge and rolled and burned, trapping them. Well, at the same time, the editor of Turbo Diesel Register, the magazine I mentioned, was soliciting info on self-driving and autonomy and unintended acceleration. Well, I wrote this, and it is a brief letter, and every word is to the point from my own first hand through my automotive career. I'd like to share it, if I may. Real quick. We've, we've, got, we've got about a minute and a half. Oh, it won't make it. Oh. But the writer that stimulated my letter, he had a Dodge Ram age and equipment unknown. The owner worked at a municipal airport, and because the guy is a pillar of the magazine, he got the request, help me. So we went out to the airport, whatever state, and said, try to start it. And this Air Force vet was looking at the rotating radar screen above the tower, said, try to start it right now. It did not even crank. So wait 15 seconds for the screen to rotate away and uh, start it. It started without trouble. Every time the screen faced away from the hood, well, this triggered my article. Uh, let's see. After I got in red 71, issue 71, I was asking why DOT Secretary Ray LaHood categorically denied, dismissed all electronic causes for the recent and largely Toyota-focused events. Later that day, after brief thought, I had another. If the glo I had an answer. If the global OEMs made all consumer vehicles runaway proof, unquote, a new compact car would cost six figures. 
Well, yeah, and you would also see, um, well, suffice it to say in the time we've got left that, yeah, self-driving cars are going to be a, a, a problem from the perspective you present and also from what they're going to create in terms of uh, unreliability. Colm, it's always a pleasure, sir, and uh, uh, I wish we could have given you more time. I wish we had more time to give. 855-560-9900. We're back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Andy, the car doctor, 855-560-9900. It's car doctor's 24-7 number. Um, quick story. We've got visiting dignitaries here in the uh, in, in the green room, as we call it here at the car doctor studio. And uh, mom's here today. So uh, I just went out at the last break, and she said, how's the show going? Are you done? I said, no, we've got one more to go. You know, we've got one more little segment. And um, she said, I heard the part where the car caught fire. So at least she's listening, right? And um, she said, what happened? She goes, did that really happen? I said, yeah, Ma, I was working on a car. I had my back to it, and it started smoking. And, you know, it, I didn't see flame, but it was about to because you could see the smoke was increasing in intensity. And my 95-year-old mother looked at me, and she said, your job is dangerous. I said, well, to a point. Do you think you should change? What? She said, maybe you should go do something else. No, I don't think so, Ma. I think I'm kind of cast into this. I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. So, but um, she said... But I worry about you. You know what? Once a mother, always a mother. You know, at least uh, that's what makes moms moms, right? So, uh, mom, this show's for you. But, uh, you know, just to uh, let you know that. Hey, Larry had called in a couple of weeks ago with the 96 Dodge Ram, and he sent me an email. Hey, Ron, thanks for the wiring diagram, courtesy of the folks at All Data. It ended up being the control head shorted out in the low two speeds. I appreciate the help. Good. I'm glad that worked out for you. Um, let's see what this is about. This is uh, this is a conversation. Yeah, just a reminder again, March 17th, we're going to be at the Westchester Marriott, TST. Where's the website there? Is it TST.org? Look up Technician Service Training or TSTSeminars.org. Uh, we're going to be up there doing the radio show live from the uh, TST big event uh, to see what that's about. Um, so you can look for us there March 17th. We'll be live uh, out there on the floor um, or in the right check room or the rain check room, the coat check room. Uh, whatever that might be. Um, some conversation, a lot of conversation this week about parts, and uh, we know what parts were a problem. And you know what? I will say this, too. We were talking about parts before and finding parts. The BoschAutoParts.com website, go out to BoschAutoParts.com. The nice thing Bosch is doing, besides the fact that, you know, the quality of their parts and they're made to a specific standard, and that's, you know, we talk about self-driving cars and the problems with them and the quality of parts on them. You know, if you've got a company like Bosch behind them, and, uh, you know, I'm sure there'll be plenty of Bosch componentry on self-driving cars in the future if, if there aren't already there in terms of, you know, what they're working on. Um, you know, you go out to the website, BoschAutoParts.com, at least you can look things up and you've got faith in what they're making in, in, in terms of the quality and what they're putting forth because they build it to a certain standard. And, and you know, you, you need companies like that uh, in, in terms of, you know, bringing product to market because it's going to get to be very, very expensive. My fear is that somehow you're going to see cars get to the point where they're so expensive to repair that less and less people can repair them, less and less people can afford them. And I don't know, it might not happen in my lifetime, but I wonder if there'll be a shift you know, you, you, you look to the future and you try to see 10, 20, 30 years down the road. And, you know, you wonder will there where whether or not there will be quality auto parts. And um, so you, you hope for survival of, of all of this. And uh, 
you know, I, I look to a company like Bosch, like I did so many times this week for parts for the Suburban and uh, some of the other vehicles we were working on. And, um, you know, it's good to have them there. It's good to know that somebody's got our back for the time being. So let's hope that that stays for a long, long time. Well, um, where did two hours go? Two hours just kind of went screaming by. Um, I want to thank Mr. Atwood for showing up this week. We appreciate that. Mr. Ray for being here and doing the job that he does. And once again, to all of you, I'm Ron Anini in the car doctor reminding you, the mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.